George here, Going Bracket Racing YouTube channel. As always, I'm here with my brother from another mother, Casey. And uh, we're here to talk to you guys this week about, hey, hope you had a good one, you know, and uh, bring up all the happenings of uh, the past weekend and and uh, got a special guest today as well. But we're not going to get off into that too quickly. Casey, tell me something, man, because I was scrolling through Going Bracket Racing yesterday. Pretty sure I saw what a lot of people like to call the fire chicken uh, on 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 our page for sale, and saw you had quite a bit of hits on that thing too. So, what you got going over there that people might want to know about? Um, selling that car or stripping that car, one or the other, it just depends on if anybody comes up with the money or what's going on. It gets cheaper every day that it sits because of the fact that I'm just taking more and more off of it to finish the new car. Um, yeah, as, as everybody uh, may or may not know, got a new car in the works right now. So we're pulling the Blue Nova out of the corner. I've uh, been working on that all this July 4th holiday weekend and everything. Finally got my 406, got it set down in there. Honestly, I'm just lacking putting the uh, putting the driver's side header on right now. Uh, Should have strapped that thing in there. I thought for sure if I could get the big block headers out of there that I could get small block headers back in, man. But the steering box just barely in the way of quarter inch here quarter inch there and uh i think i'm just going to drop that steering box off slider down in there and i'll have it running hopefully this next weekend so uh we'll be ready to do a little bit of foot brake a little bit of top bulb that car is kind of versatile it can do pretty much anything you want to do so uh it's set up just to kind of be one of those cars or it's going to be set up to be one of those cars that uh whatever you feel like doing that weekend that's what we're doing and uh hope for the best slow maintenance that's what i'm hoping for yeah, man, I'm getting a few calls here on uh, the Facebook side saying no sound. If everybody can hear me okay, if somebody just throws a one, uh, type the number one in the chat there, it'll let me know everything's good. I'm just going to keep going like it is all good. Uh, I think that everything should be good, though, uh, according to what I'm looking at here, though. But Casey, man, it's good to see the old Blue Nova coming back out. We still got to name that thing, okay? I'm telling you, every car, and I'm, I'm talking to everybody on the Going Brack Racing YouTube channel right now, okay? Let me get close. Every car needs to have a name, a phrase, a slogan, or something. You can't just yell at old, oh, you old firebird, you you let me down. No, you got to give us some character. Casey, we got to come up with a name for your cars, man. I'm telling you. You know how I am. I like, uh, I like Bracket Racer 9622's uh, comment over here. He says, just call it Casey's Blue Nova. Which <laughs> <laughs> pretty not- much what I do. That's not good enough, man. That's not good enough. We got to come up with something else. Everybody, I know everybody's going to agree with that, okay? Okay, so definitely, man, I'm, I'm glad to see that everything's underway with that, guys. Um, uh, we're over with Casey. We got a special guest today, and and he doesn't really need an introduction from me and Casey. I'm going to be honest with you. We grew up in the same area, and there's some things happening at, at, at a good old gateway that I like to call it everybody uh, may know now that the name of the track is actually Worldwide Technologies Raceway. I'm gonna always call it Gateway. It's just it's what I know. Gateway's my blood. So uh, Gateway's got some pretty neat things coming. You may have heard of this before, but I like to call it the Brett Kepner School of Drag Racing. It's gonna maybe get a little bit of a, a, a facelift. We got we got all the way from, from Gateway International Raceway Worldwide Technologies. Mr. Jason Phillips on the show with us. Jason, how's it going, man? Good, George. What's up, Casey? Oh, man. Hey, definitely can't call it. Now, as always, guys, here at Going Bracket Racing YouTube channel, we, we go through a, a series of questions in order to get you to understand who this person is on the screen that you're looking at, you're not familiar with. First question 
for you, Jason. Coming just out off the press here, going bracket racing is how did you get into bracket racing? How'd you get bit by the bug? All right, so I guess we'll start there. Um, it started out, my good buddy, you guys know Andy Hartline, right? Oh, yeah. He, yep, he'd come by the house with his Firebird, you know, we were 16 years old, and he goes, uh, hey, why don't you see how fast your mom's brand new GT Mustang is? I said, what do you mean? He goes, I'm going to track tonight. It's Wednesday test and tune and stuff. Uh, come on out. I said, uh, I said, hey, mom, can I run the Mustang? She's like, yeah, go on. So brand new back then, you know, 94 GT Mustang, took it out. Uh, back then, Casey, you remember they had a trophy or jackpot. You had to pick. <laughs> and I didn't know it. the lady goes, well, one of them pays money. And I said, well, that's the one I want in then. And uh, so... I didn't know I was getting thrown into uh, the shark tank there with all those big shooters back then. And some of them still around getting it today. But, uh, yeah, the first guy, of course, you know, I make my time runs. My lights are horrible. They're one-second bulbs every hit. Uh, first round, they say, hey, you got to dial in. So, okay, I'm I'm going to dial in. Who do I get? Brett Kepner. And he's in a, he's in a points battle, you know right there in this race he's licking his chops looking at my time slips i go sir how do i do this and he's just salivating you know <laughs> my horrible reaction times so he writes a number on the car we race i go dead on and lose you know i said hey sir i left right when that green light was on man what's the deal and the car ran just what you said it do how'd i lose he goes you're gonna do just fine at this he goes but Next time, get in the trophy race, and I'll tell you some stuff. So that's how it started, and then I got hooked. Man, to be to be honest with you, I thought there for a second. I mean, Brett Kepner is obviously not a slouch, as we'll get into a little bit later. But I thought you were going to tell me, Mister Ricky Thomas. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think he ran jackpot a lot back then. It was, it was like I thought he ran everything. <laughs> that was in '96. I don't know if he might have been there. I can't remember. That big red Monte Carlo, all I know is it was in the winter circle a bunch. It's got to be one of the winningest race cars in the St. Louis area, period. Yes. He uh, he was spot dropping before spot dropping was cool. I mean, this it, you remember, he'd hold a second and a half. Yes. Sportsman. And win. And win. And everybody knew he was doing it. On a by run, holding a second and a half goes. On in a by run, just ripping from the eighth mile to the quarter. Yep. He, you know, it's just he's got the gift. That's all there is to it. That's the truth, man. I mean, Ricky Thomas is one of the best. That's uh, I would. I mean, obviously, you can't call Ricky Thomas a no name person. I mean, in fact, Big Rick was one of the first pro stock racers that ever existed and had had a ton of success doing that type of stuff. But uh, if you ever hear a bad rap, that's Ricky, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, yeah. Simon once, uh, he he was going to thump me during a race, and I had to lock myself in the Mustang. He walked around the car 10, 15 times trying to get me out. And uh, <laughs> we made up after the race. He, he bought me a beer or something at the truck stop on the way home back to St. Louis. He's like, oh, sorry about this. And then, no biggie, man. You had me worried, though, because. That he'll get in your head, and that's some of the stuff we're going to talk about in this school is, you know, kind of like the big tricky Ricky. 
he's winning rounds before he even gets in the car because you know who you're up against. That's right, man. And speaking of that, tell us a little bit about bringing back the Brett Kepner School of Drag Racing, man. What's the history on the school, and uh, how did it uh, how did it help you out personally? Oh, Brett helped me a lot. I mean, he he. Uh, I believe the school started in the early two thousands. I think it lasted, you know. And his deal was to make better customers for the old Gateway International Raceway. He. People, you know, roll through the beams or they might be so intimidated they're not even going to show up for an event. And uh, his school was free. And I think that's the only one in the country. It still might be this one, uh, the only absolutely free school to make you a better participant and a better customer. And uh, that was his thing, was more efficiency, uh out of the drivers get everything you can get out you know on your budget we're all on a budget um he he was an innovator and he kept people in the sport i mean because i'm starting to see a little bit now people getting frustrated it's so rough out there there's nowhere to start really there's no trophy class where you can get a few round wins under your belt easy now there's nothing i mean that you're right into the the big shooters so I don't want people to get frustrated with stuff and quit. And, you know, he even was teaching some of the pro drivers like Dan Seitz back in the day, the Pro 5.0, you know, how to get more lapsed time out of your heads-up car. So his class was geared towards heads-up people. Midnight Madness was just starting back then, the early 2000s, uh, and, of course, Bracket Racers. And Brett of course had the big following on inside drag racing and uh, so when you his name was on the marquee you know people are showing up i looked forward to the to the school every month it was the first tuesday of every month so we're going to do the same thing the first tuesday of every month he gave me his blessing to resurrect this school he said yes it's time i said all right i gotta stop being so greedy and give back to the sport i love because i had a lot of help along the way like you two guys you know blessed from the good lord with your dads helping you guys out not a lot of people have that and uh so i'm gonna try and jump in there and help them out hey you That's know what? True, man. and uh that was uh I'll let you get here here in one second, George. But like that's 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 the truth. I tell George that all the time, man. That the reason I had early success whenever I was younger is because I had kind of what you would. I mean, it's not, but it is kind of an unfair advantage in which my dad was already a competitive super pro racer and had been since he was in his twenties. You know, uh, since before delay boxes even were invented, type thing. Whenever I started racing junior dragsters, so I already knew what I was doing. I already understood how dial-ins worked and things like that. So being one of the first generation of junior dragster racers where people might have actually been in it for the first time ever, um, I mean, I couldn't imagine starting nowadays having no clue what you're at, what you're actually doing because I don't think that first generation racer really exists as much anymore. It might be like 1%, but... We're all second and third generation racers at this point, it seems to me. You got anything on that? Yeah, that's no question. Definitely, um, 
uh, like Casey and just jumping off of what he said there, being able to stand behind, um, set the tires, uh, put fuel in the car, be at the racetrack every other weekend, things like that. Whenever it came time for me to be able to race, of course, I had a little bit of assistance from the computer simulated world of drag racing. Uh, but when it came time, when it came time to, to be able to put on a helmet or to sit in my Cavalier, besides tapping Jason on the shoulder and saying, Hey man, uh, how do I make this thing leave a little bit better? And him giving me some nuggets on street cars. Um, I was ready to go. I knew how to dial. I knew how to hit the light already. You know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't in his position where it was, Hey, the green lights on, it's time to go. No, I knew when that third yellow came on, it's time to, it's time to get out of there, you know? So I had a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a, a push or a nudge, should I say, uh, just by being able to watch. But Jason, man, I, I don't know how this slipped my mind. We wanted to start this show a little different today. Yeah. And I'm going to double back to that, man. I'm going to go ahead and and go ahead. Jason, please uh, open us up in prayer, please. Yeah, let's do a little prayer here. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this show and uh, our health and our family and friends. And this truly is a family. I learned that this year with the passing of my father and, you know, the racetrack said, here's the keys. You know, you do the funeral here. You do what you feel you got to do. And it's truly a family and Heavenly Father. We are blessed to be able to do what we do. And I just hope you keep a hedge of protection around all the racers going to be traveling this weekend and racing. Because we know traveling is just as difficult and dangerous. And uh, we just thank you for everything in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Sorry about that. I don't know how I just slipped, slipped right past it. I, I'll have to explain right. myself to the Heavenly Father here just a little bit. And you tap me on my shoulder and say, hey, knucklehead. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, definitely. Thank you for that. And as we continue to move here, you you started to mention that you got your blessing from Brett and 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 time to open up the school of drag racing again. What what actually got that moving though? I know Paul, Tim, and yourself decided to bring it all yeah. back. How'd that come about? You guys just uh, uh, sitting in the garage listening to going well, rack racing or something? Well, uh, you know, Nettie Dameron is now running the drag strip at at gateway and uh she's a real hands-on manager at the track now uh she's a workaholic she reminds me casey of the old wally cornegay you know just always there using everything and never taking a break and uh we got to talking you know we need to give back and and tap into this new group of people that are excited about this from your midnight madness tesla people to some of these nine second uh street cars because now you know two license runs and you got your license and you don't need to butcher up your brand new gt mustang or whatever and you can run the nines legally plus the insurance and stuff so uh we're talking nines in the quarter right now oh yeah in the quarter these cars they don't need a lot nowadays you know, to right. get there. And they wanted to stay on the street so they didn't have to put the cage in and get certified and all. Well, now you don't have to do that. And HRA knows these cars basically have a factory roll cage, multiple airbags, anti-lock brakes. We might get into that later. Um, but so there's a new group of people that need to be tapped into to keep them, get them, I don't want to say hooked is the wrong word, but let them fall in love with the sport we love 
maybe they'll start with heads up drag racing. Eventually, uh, if it gets too pricey, they come over and do some bracket racing. They could do both. There's tons of avenues to go here. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And 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 I'm going to cut in here real quick and just throw this thought out there because it's something that even in your prayer you mentioned that we are a family here. And yeah. the more we can continue to, to, to build our family, uh, whichever way you look at it, either biblically or by drag racing, the more we build the family, the stronger we become. So it's definitely uh, something I could say, man, eventually we might get in here. I don't see the question on here, but are you going to hit the road with the Brett Kepner School of Drag Racing? We might have to come back to that um, once we keep going. Who knows? Maybe other tracks may say, hey, Jason, man, you're doing a heck of a job. Can you come help us out, too? You know, but that's just the thought that just jumped in my head. You know? It jumps in your head. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Who knows where this is going to go? I, I'm hoping it all goes smooth and well. Paul was even talking about, hey, maybe there's too many people coming tonight, you know, because we're going to do it inside. It's 103 degrees here in St. Louis. Ouch. And uh, this first school is going to be kind of on the ground floor level. We're not going to get super technical tonight but because it's in like two hours. And we're going to try and keep it to like a two-hour class, if you will. We're going to feel out the crowd, see how many pro tree guys, juniors, you know, who's who's been down the track before. And I, we might advance it further from there. But it, it was time for this. You know, Brett gave back so much. And I don't want to take these secrets to my grave. You know, and the other thing, how much do we give them? You know, Casey, like me and you talked a while back. It's took. 20 something years to learn this stuff giving it back's one thing but them executing it is a whole nother one and that's the truth man george and i talk about that all the time i mean you can think of it in a million ways there's there's first of all it matters what what cards you're actually dealt and it's kind of one of those things that uh you know for example someone like a uh, jeff sarah or nick hastings or someone like that we all know that it's unlikely if you're 20 on the tree and your opponent's 005 on the tree and they're running dead on that you're going to win that race. But somehow they figure out to induce a mistake to allow them to win those rounds consistently. And I don't think even honestly telling people what you're supposed to do, it has to be. There's so much stuff that goes on there. Like, say, obviously, at that point, you have to be holding at least one and a half to make it look normal, right? Well, the thing is, is that if that guy's not looking at you and he's just going to hold it to the floor, he's going to beat you every time. But they do something where they can they can recognize what's going on and make it look different and make that guy think that he needs to get out of there. And that only comes with experience. You can tell people over and over and over again. And I mean, you know, there's probably people out there that this is just going way over their head and they don't understand. I mean, I talked to my dad about a lot of this stuff. My dad clearly has been racing longer than I have. He introduced me to it, you know, and my dad's always had cars. He's had cars since I was born, you know, and uh, and way before that. And I explain stuff to him sometimes. And he's like, man, I'm not even I'm not even going to think about that. And this is somebody who has 30 years more experience than I do or more. You know, All right. So anyway, let's talk a little bit about uh, the history of uh, 
yourself and Paul and uh, and Tim in this whole in this whole series as far as uh, everything goes. I think we might have lost him. Do we still hear you? Yeah, I can still hear you. Can you? He's gonna, okay, he's going to come back. Okay. Anyway, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the history of of you, Paul, and Tim, and uh, and. Uh, Obviously, you guys are going to be the ones involved with the, teaching this whole school, Brett Kepter School of Drag Race, and bringing yes. it back. Uh, what's the history of all you guys? Uh, Tim Seibel, he's been around Gateway forever, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. He uh, He's really heavy into this junior street class. If you guys don't know about this, this is my favorite class in all of drag racing. And I can't wait till my boy is 13 and he can do it and we can move up to bigger cars because it's like tag team bracket race and uh you're only going to get to do that for a couple years right and uh so he's been doing that he's been like the junior street uh ambassador at gateway here for the past few years getting the 13 to 16 year olds going hagan and his high school program is crazy. Gateway has hands down the best high school program and has had for the last 10 plus years. He makes it that way. He gets the sponsors. He, I think he goes to the high school, combing the high school or something. He pulls these kids in and puts a gun to their head and makes them race, I think. <laughs> but yeah, that, it pays better than sportsmen at any track around. You get round money, you get perfect light money all the oh yeah oh yeah the sportsman guys would love to run for this purse that paul puts up on a wednesday night he'll have 22 high school cars there was even oh man this dude's my hero i'm looking at the app because gateway's got the app you you guys can watch a wednesday night high school from where you're at on the uh worldwide technology app and i seen a 21 second dial in going rounds and i'm like what the heck goes 21s then it clicked in my head at the banquet i was interviewing one of these high school kids and he said next year i'm racing the bus i said what he's got a school bus he dials in (laughs) (laughs) one second bus and he's going rounds and speaking of uh speaking of something 21 seconds tim seibel he could actually be faster than that in that old 59 chevy (laughs) yes yes i remember the land yacht yeah, <laughs> hey, he went some rounds down. Oh yeah, 18, like it wasn't eighteen flat; it was like mid to high, wasn't it? Oh yeah, it was high nineteens, deep staging the whole bit. <laughs> Fun stuff. I couldn't imagine having to sit there for that long. He just laughed. He always just laughed. Yeah, he would smile you to death. You couldn't rattle him. Uh, I, he quit racing Super Pro a few years ago, but man, he was always smiling. Yep. Smiling Bob on them commercials. That guy, he was always having a good time, man. He had the most fun, I think, out of anybody at oh, the yeah. track. <laughs> and sober. He had a fun time. <laughs> That's what it's all about, guys. Well, hey, hang in there, everybody. We're going to cut to a commercial from our sponsors, uh, which we didn't shed much light on at the beginning of this show. Shame on me and Casey. We'll come back and give them some love here in just a second. 
Get a load of this. Don't go anywhere. Remember to hit the like and share button, the subscribe button. We'll be right back to you. TSR Racing Products has everything you need to make your Power Glide Turbo 350, Turbo 400, and 727 transmissions the best they can be on the street or at the track. With exceptional products, customer service, and over 30 years of experience, TSR Racing Products is always available to help their customers with any of their transmission needs. In-house machining ensures you only receive the best products from TSR Racing. Visit TSR Racing Products. Products at tsr-racing.com or give them a call at 800-394-5889. BRG Motorsports 3D Printer Racing Parts are able to provide you with whatever you desire to enhance your drag racing operation. Items like safety belt magnets, nitrous bottle holders, and even quick-release delay box mounts are able to be obtained from BRG Motorsports 3D Printer Racing Parts. Have a look at top-selling items such as helmet hooks and steering wheel hooks, which are proven to make it easier to maneuver throughout your race car. You can contact BRG Motorsports 3D Printer Racing Parts at telephone number 765-729-1177. All right. all right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you for hitting that share button. I saw a few shares go out there. Let's get everybody in here, as many people as possible. Get in a little bit of knowing of what's going on there at Worldwide Technologies on Tuesdays. Um, and uh, and definitely get to, to meet Jason Phillips. Special shout out, TSR, BRG, Champ, Syntex uh, Printing, Ken Jones Performance Carburetors, Team 14 Motorsports, and definitely driven racing oil. You guys are awesome. Uh, Mr. BRG, I ain't going to forget about you either. But thank you all for what you do for the Going Bracket Racing YouTube channel. Uh, we, we certainly appreciate everything. And uh, our fans appreciate it as well. So as we continue, I'm going to move on to the next question here. And um, kind of speak directly to our sport and what your thoughts are on what it takes uh, and what is the most important component of a successful racing program? Uh, you can go anywhere from car, driver, mental capacity, whatever certain skill set you think is uh, a needed or a requirement, uh, all of the above. Uh, have at it, Jason. i tell you one thing. Um, people might not like it, but you need to be good at math to do this. And you need to be accurate and fast with it especially if you're double entering and running multiple classes with multiple different trees, you, you got to, and they're calling you right back in the next class. You need to be doing some things in your head. Uh, points, you know, it all boils down to math, the money, the entry fee, the buy, you know, everything revolves around math here. And, uh, you know, like Jeremy McKay, one of the best in the St. Louis area, he just saw him be a math teacher. I don't think that's a coincidence. I mean, he's sharp. And Dan Phelps back in the day, he could do, he, he was figuring ladders in his head before the track would even bring a ladder down. You know, he knew who was running who. And uh, that, that kind of stuff always impressed me. And those are the people who don't make too many mistakes. You know, that's the thing. If you don't beat yourself, like my son Jacob had some success you know, early, like in a second and third race. And I was telling him, I was like, just don't beat yourself. Like Brett always said, throw them jacks out there and see if they can beat them. 
you know, and a lot of times people are going to mess up on their own and you can sneak right in there and they don't even know it. Um, That's Go ahead. Uh, good equipment, yes. You, you got to have some decent equipment that's going to start. You you don't need to ever be thinking about, is this thing going to make it up to the line? You know, that and a, a good crew member, somebody to help you, uh, especially in Super Pro now. Uh, with quick turnarounds and things, Gateway has one of the quickest turnarounds around because, because of the app. You know, there's no waiting in line for a time slip and all this. You need to be cooling immediately. Aaron Kohler, please stop texting me or I'm going to kick you out of school. I mean, you got to have this certain mental, you know, I'm doing this broadcast and you keep sending text. Knock it off or else you're going to be out of here. All right. So. Get back. See, this kind of stuff you got to deal with. It is, man. I'm I turn you. my phone on silent. I'm talking about there's maybe a couple of emergency contract contacts that can get through. Casey, my dad, Brad Gephardt, my wife, and my mom, and that's it. That's uh, it. Everybody else gets silenced. Uh, I'll call my uncle, though, every now and then. It's like, uh, I need some help, <laughs> and he'll help me out. You know, oh, you'll but... turn me off silent now, won't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. He's like, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, I was watching them. But, yeah, I'd say good equipment. Uh, just, I don't know. You know, it, it, here's what it boils down to. This is what I'm going to tell them. Who wants it the worst? That's what I tell the boy. It comes down to who wants it the worst. You're during the week prep. You know, back in my championship runs in Super Pro, I knew the night before the delay I would have in the first time run. I already had my first time run. Delay picked out based on the predicted weather for the next day and the light that's supposed to be ambient for the next day. So I'm already ahead before we even get there. I know exactly darn near what the car is going to run. You just you got to put in some work and you've got to uh, you got to want it. That's what it's who wants it the worst. Definitely, man. And and I guess kind of expanding off of that same, uh, you know, topic of kind of what we're talking about here. What would you say it takes to win races nowadays versus like whenever we started kind of like 20 years ago, something like that? Like, is it more difficult than it used to be? Because it seems like cars are so good anymore that it seems like it's a practice tree race a lot of times. But also, you know, a lot of people think that the driver doesn't matter as much anymore because a car can go, you know, you can go buy a car off racing junk right now and go dead on. And and nobody's going to argue with that. But I personally feel like the driver matters even more because, you know, in the world of kill the tree and run dead on, there's only like we were talking about earlier, there's only a few drivers that can still not kill the tree by accident. Obviously nobody does that on purpose, but still turn it into a wind light. So what's yes. What do you think has changed? You know, like in the early 2000s, I think back to Dave Schutte when he won that championship in 2001. He was never murdering the tree. He was just kind of there. And he won a lot of rounds. Just being 060 back then and one-off, good equipment, stuff like now you can't. You've, you've got to have everything right, and you've got to have a really good day. Um, 10 years ago, even, I think you, it was a lot easier 10 years ago. Uh, 
I don't know if people, I don't think there's too many people bending the rules out there um, because like Casey said before in these shows, you don't need to. Uh, a good overtired car with today's technology going legit with no cheating devices, you should be my dragster the whole time I had it. 10 years or so, I think it moved 10 hunt the whole year. And, ten, you know, so you, you're only going to be at the max. You can't go more than five off or under because it's never right. been slower or faster than that. So <laughs> it's you better bring a lunch, you know, because if somebody I didn't change nothing. I Once a combination worked, you know, kind of like Jeff Norton back in the day, yep. if it works. Don't change nothing. 454 crate motor, wasn't that what it was? Yeah. And he sold. You, know, you know, him and Sesty that night, they ran till 7 in the morning for that DragRaceResults.com event. And, and Danny's son was back on the mic at 740 calling for a time run. And I stayed up to watch him. That's how dumb I was. <laughs> I stayed up till 7 a.m. to watch Sesty and Norton split that final. And they're right back at it again. And went deep the next day. So uh, that's who won it the worst. Your weekend, yeah, it's it's harder now. And Jeff Jeff Norton was one of the. Uh, I mean, he wasn't the pioneer of doing this, but he was one of the guys who did bracket racing right, <clears throat> which was <clears throat> which was he would buy. I think he said a four fifty four crate motor every like three years. And put it in there, and he'd run Super Pro eighth mile, and he'd run Super Pro quarter mile, and then he—that's—that's that's all he would end up doing is, and he would just wear it out, and he would be deep more than anybody, always deep in the points, and uh, like I said, did just as good as anybody. Probably spent you know, the least amount of money. You know, something unique to him, George. I don't know if either one of you know this. Not a lot of people, and he might not want me saying this on here. He had a practice tree in that car. Do you guys know that? No. <laughs> oh yeah, hooked up and everything to the real trans brake button, comparing hits down there wow. looking. And uh, I think it's a great idea. I mean, who's to say it's illegal? You know? Yeah. How, he, I he mean, they're built. They're built in, aren't they? Are they not built into some of the delay boxes that we get now? Anyway, yeah, this was a, real, a physical one. It's a real one. A real yeah. Three sitting in that uh, car with him. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it would give you a frame of reference. Checker. And he was killer with it. I mean, he knew his self. He's checking his self and then would adjust accordingly. It's a great idea. Yeah. That's a very good idea. I never, ever thought about that. Ever. Very good idea. There's, that seems yeah, like a, I see George's wheels turning there. <laughs> that seems like a Jeff Norton idea, though, to me. And now, after you say that, I'm like, because he always, you know, he always had a uh, hole in his coveralls. He always wore coveralls. He always had a hole, single cigarette, right in the middle. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, the oh, high school. Couldn't rattle him. I don't care what you did. <laughs> So I'm gonna steal. I'm gonna steal this uh, comment out of here in the chat. I see Brian hit the tree and drive the stripe best you possibly can. It takes racing every weekend to learn your car and and the tree. Uh, there's definitely a lot of truth in that. I don't think anybody's going to dispute you there, buddy. Uh, but as we keep going, and this question is, um, I think this is part probably 
one of the most important questions on, on the whole page, in my opinion, as it pertains to just our sport and how we're spreading it. It's the aspect of live streaming and Motor Mania TV and all these other bang shifts and people being able to show everyone what's going on at said race. Give us your thought process, Jason, on um, on the live streaming events and how it's helped grow the sport um, and get more eyes on it. It has. It's a poor man's time run, basically. Uh, you're getting seat time at home. Like, I'll b- force the boy to come up and watch the junior dragsters, like at the last SFG. I said, come up, let's watch them. Because Mark Walter, I used to race with him in the uh, NSCA days in the late 90s. He had a Camaro, and I'd bring a rental car or something, he'd have the Camaro. Mark zooms in on that starting line. You can watch how uh, people stage. And I'm like, look, Jake, There's see how he's taking them little bumps now. You know, you can bump yourself out of a race, too. Uh, taking two smaller ones, if it messes with you, don't do it. You know, I think, George, I've seen your dad, you know, and he's done that before where if it's too small a bump, we'll take bigger ones so we don't flicker and mess our own self up. Yep. You know, yep. so the live streaming has changed a lot of that. You can rewind things, see how is this guy holding four or eight numbers? And uh, is the finish line out of square? There's been a few races I've seen trends. You know, this sport's all about trends. And you'll see the left lane getting behind every single time by a hun or something. And these guys aren't that bad. Not everybody's going to screw things to get out of square. You know, I've been to tracks like that. Beam height differences, all this stuff online. And then you get the people chatting that know what they're talking about. And you're like, oh, yeah, you're right. You know, check that out. And that's another thing in Super Pro is the trends. Um, the old ET finals, you know, at Indy used to be the premier event. Everybody, oh, you got to win Indy. You got to go to Indy. Um, that one, you didn't get many time runs. So my time run was watching 10 pairs in front of me. And we all kind of set up about the same on the tree. Most Super Pro guys are setting for 10 or so. And you see... And this is without true start. You'd see two, three out of four hits go red. And you're like, all right, we got to roll 20 in. Not everybody is nervous up there. There's something's changed. So let's throw 20 in so we can stay in this game. You know, I'm going to stay here on this comment, on this subject for a second, too. You brought up a, a lot, a whole lot, uh, especially just watching the staging process itself. And any junior car, any junior driver that's in here listening to this, that's a mouthful. The staging process is... That's everything. It's very important. You can't overlook the staging process. And 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 I know I have a lot of friends, and, and one thing that I noticed about Maui is how quick they staged. And it was wow. almost like, man, nobody's really taking their time to get in there shallow. There, no, there's no way you're getting in the same exact spot. So I definitely am glad that we have brought this up because I've got a lot of Maui friends that now follow the Golden Bracket Racing YouTube channel who can actually use that to their benefit. Head over to Motor Mania TV if you need to and hit that rewind button and and see how people go through their staging process. Yep. I mean, it's like going to the Baccarat table. Just bet what the guy with the big stack of chips has. He's doing just not on the same level. Bet a little bit. 
but go with do what the winners are doing that's sometimes i get amazed at at some people it's like can't you see what they're doing do what they do and they just refuse to do it they're gonna they're hard-headed and they do their own thing and it's Mm -hmm. like okay whatever you know i can't i can leap through the water yeah. And that's that's the truth, man. So maybe the bracket racing school will kind of teach people at least a little area to go in where maybe they can at least get an idea of how to learn by themselves. But one of the things I wanted to ask you here is what do you think the future of bracket racing holds? Because we know, obviously, the economy has went down significantly yep. here lately. But bracket racing before that happened was growing exponentially. Yep. I yep. mean, it, it was out of control growth to the point where I think, yep. personally, I think it got a little too big for its britches because people forgot we're not heads-up racers. That's why bracket racing exists. But why do you think that some races are having poor car counts this year, but then other races, like, for example, the TB Promotions race that we've been talking about on GBR here for a while, it's sold out as far as uh, the Gateway race, the, the Twin Fifties. So why do you think that uh, why do you think that is? Okay, well, first off, the TB guy, he's putting in a ton of work. He's working his butt off to fill this. And of course, it's in the middle of the country with fuel prices like they are. Uh, you can get the southern, northern guys, everybody here, you know, Kyle Riley was even talking about that, <clears throat> that gateway, all the interstates right around it. So uh, world-class facility it's safe you know you can bring fast cars slow cars the whole bit uh, people want to try something new sfg you know in 2019 i believe i'd say was the peak as far as you know when he set that half million off that that's what kicked this whole thing you know i i was like okay somebody's guaranteeing a half million there's no car count needed one or a thousand it's gonna pay the half million so i went i pre-entered and i was nervous i was texting kyle you sure you're not gonna skate with this amount of money that we're paying to enter you know and he's a man of his word and he put um it was it was a marathon all right the word got out i i quit in a couple of them races because i was so tired uh to save for the 500 which was a marathon 700 and something entries you could go to the hotel eat go to sleep shower and come back for second round and that might have threw some people off they like this cap deal 375 or 85 i haven't put the pencil to it but there's a reason that everybody's shooting for that number i don't know if it's an odd car every starting from the semis to the you know 19 cars but there, uh, as far as the future goes, though, I'm going to make a bold prediction right here that you're going to start seeing more slow cars, real slow cars, get into the sport uh, for money. You know, like like the dude with the Tesla, he don't have money for the trailer and all that. That's a lot of the younger people. That's a huge event. You can't even get trucks or trailers now. So how are you going to start? Right. That's true, man. And and the thing is, is that going off of kind of that that entire idea was, you know, that's I built a 406 for the Nova. That's just flat top piston might be 10 to one, maybe 11 to one compression. I mean, really, if you wanted to, you could probably run it on 93. Uh, I'll still run it on alcohol. That's all I've ever ran. But the point is, is that 
the whole goal of that motor is to be absolutely low maintenance. Like realistically, the reason I wanted it was because I won't have to take it apart for three years. And that's just because I will, but you could run the crap out of it. And there's plenty of guys probably run it for 10 years before it would finally blow up. But I never have to worry about that car ever. And with true start and things like that nowadays, it doesn't make it, in, in fact, in my opinion, it makes it a disadvantage to have the fast car now because you're track dependent, where my 650, whatever it's going to run door car with a 14.5W tire, it's not going to spin because it'll probably barely spin in the water. No, and uh, like the Kia proved at the BT race, you know, and as these tracks start rolling back their prep, I don't think we'll see no prep, but it's going to start something where they're going to be like, hey, we can save a lot of money by not putting down so much glue. And these people, you know, they're not going to want to set the world on fire, ETY. We'll save that for our heads-up races. We'll save well, man, the for that. And speaking of that, there's a, uh, there's a track out here that uh, preps pretty minimally, and uh, and it's short. You know, it doesn't take a lot of space. It's basically eighth mile slow, speed up, eighth mile slow down. And the thing is, is that you can you can go to that track. It's Wayne County Drag Strip. You can go out to that track, and they only run foot brake because re- I, I think they might have dabbled in top ET, but it's tough because even the slowest top ET car is going to go too fast. Right. But the thing is, is that you go to that track, you enter for forty bucks, and he pays, you know, a lot of times 800000 to win. That's total purse. And then you split it amongst yourselves whenever you feel like it. That's fair. But, but you, your buyback is 20 bucks. So, I mean, you could and, and as long as you run third round, he puts you in a second chance race for free. Wow. So, I mean, it's like you can actually go racing with not a lot of money, you know. So, whenever the economy goes down, yes. tracks like that are what's – you know, everybody's going to flock to, and you're going to wish you had that slower door car at that point yeah. so you can show up and race for cheap and actually yeah. still go race. Yeah, I remember in the, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s, everybody was switching to dragsters and wanting to go as fast as you could. You know, I know when St. Louis would go to Indy, we had all the seven-second dragsters in yep. the quarter mile back then. And uh, it was feasible. The money was flowing back then. People were just... Wanting to go faster in technologies with the engines, they were getting, they were making some more power. But I think you're going to see the shift going back. You know, ever since uh, Biondo did the True Start deal, and truthfully, that's probably the way it should have been from day one. That the slow yeah. car now can get lane choice. The slow car uh, doesn't have to wear a helmet. You you can fully turn around in that car legally. And look around, and the fast guy, you know, he's still hanging on, kind of. And I think you're going to see a shift. That that Kia, that, I know a, a lot of people are rooting that dude on. Who doesn't want to see an 1186 car take out some big shooter like David Bell or something? And the thing that a lot of people, I think, don't realize, because a lot of people don't get the opportunity to drive fast and slow cars, but... People think that, you know, and and to be fair, with no true start, the fast car is at an advantage, at least in one way, which is the opportunity to leave last, red light last. Well, with true start, there is absolutely no advantage to be in the fast car because I've driven fast cars, I've driven slow cars. And 
whenever you are the substantially faster car and the other car is substantially slower, neither one of you can judge each other. Anybody nope, who says right. they can is not telling the truth. And I've had a million people tell me I'm wrong, but I have personally done it. Me too. And I'm not the best racer in the world by far, but I've done it. And I know that you can't judge either way. Oh, you got to be honest. Right. You know, either that or have your plan and commit. Something. But I think money wise, and uh, that's, that's the way things are going to start going is slower cars being a lot more competitive at these bigger races. I mean, because I don't have a clue what a set of slicks would cost. Now, I'd always make my slicks last 10 years. I wouldn't do burnouts. You know, people, oh, burnouts are fun. Well, I I don't find uh, breaking down beadlocks fun. You know, <laughs> just stage. Is there, a, is there something, if, if you had like a magic wand that you could change anything about bracket racing, would you change anything? Yeah. Uh, I would have like, I was watching some of these races, and it's about efficiency, get, getting these cars down the track faster and bringing them right back. I would move the water box way back or turn it or something to where you can be starting this process while the other car is just staging. And then you can quickly move right into the next one as soon as they're through there. And they can be staging while said car just crossed the finish line. And I think it would make it a lot quicker. The fans would like it, I think, more. Just constant, boom, boom, car after car. And you could wear them out. And you could have a 1,000 entries at a race and get them through there in a timely fashion. I, I think, you know, here's the deal. If I owned a track, I would totally prohibit over-the-line burnouts. Never, ever. No dragster. I don't care what you've got. You're not going past that starting line because it well, takes too long. And that's true because, remember, I kind of am one of the first people that started doing those little short burnouts at Gateway back in the day. I never yeah. went over the line. I'd be pre-staged before they even put it in reverse. Yeah, I remember that. You Getting back to that, I don't know if you've ever tooted your horn on here or not. Have you about that 10-grander? Not really. That's always George. <laughs> well, you know what? You were a part of a, a group. It's like, where did he come from? He ripped off a 10-grander. How old were you back then? Uh, I was five, but it was 17. You were, <laughs> yeah, you were 17, yeah. straight out of juniors. And, uh, you know, what was it, Travis Poor? There was a yeah. bunch. Travis is one of my, yeah, Travis one of my best friends. He did it the next year. And there was another one after that, wasn't there? Brad uh, Gephardt almost did it the next year also. And then the most recent one, I think, was Tommy Heaney. He was like 16, about eight years ago here at Gateway, and won a, won a 10 out of nowhere. I and think uh, unless if he was 16, then he finally got us, but I think me and Travis were the youngest to win he that. Might not, he might not have been 16, but he was right around the 17, 18, somewhere in there. Definitely first year top bulbing. And I think that goes back to uh, – Keep it simple, stupid. You know, back then you didn't know about light conditions and, and all this other nonsense. You just knew, hey, I was 10. I'm going to pull 10 out. Yep. And, and you <laughs> went up there, and, and then you got older and started thinking about things and analyzing all this crap. And I think sometimes you race the best when you're young and you don't know no better. Well, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know how to lose yet. 
I think that's the, I, I really think that that has a lot to do with stuff is once you start learning all this stuff and trying to put two and two together, you're like, I think this, I always, I always told my dad this is I think that from the time you're about 16 till you're about 20, I think that's when you're your best. And you can notice yeah. that by watching Motor Mania, all these young kids yeah. are doing, I mean, Corey Galetti did it. All these guys yeah. did it. And, but the thing is, is then you get to the age where you're like, okay, I know how to get better. And you're like, what are you doing, idiot? You're already winning. And then you lose for like four years and beat yourself trying to yes. hold too much and do all this crap. That's the and, other thing. I mean, what, yeah, there wasn't much higher you could go back then at 17. You wanted 10 grander. What are you going to do now? When they didn't race, you're going to lose to points racers. And they didn't. Uh, the thing is, is back then, that big money race, and the only thing there was was the OG million and megabucks. And that's about it. Yeah. You know, like there wasn't all this SFG and GABR. I mean, there was GABR, but it was King of the Coast and stuff down in Mississippi and all that stuff, Louisiana area like that. But, like, I mean, there was turkey trots, you know, back in the day. Yeah. yeah. There, But we never went to any of that because my dad. My dad farmed and was a diesel mechanic, and we had two race cars. So, needless to say, he was kind of strapped for time, <laughs> you know. So we didn't go to any of that stuff. It's but, uh, very yeah, interesting. Definitely, George. What is he do? What are you doing over there? Uh, technical difficulties always happen behind the scenes, guys. And so oh. I've been battling my camera the whole time. Like, Casey, you have a text message from me, by the way. Uh, it says take over the show because nobody's going to be able to see me anymore. Hey, I know you can hear somebody. It's the man behind the curtain. It's George. I'm just talking. You can't see me right now. But uh, I'll go ahead and ask the number nine here. And this has been one heck of a conversation, by the way. And and uh, just uh, sitting back here fielding through some technical difficulties. But um, what advice would you give to someone who thinks they may want to get started in bracket racing? Um, Jason. Seat time. And the cheapest, easiest way for seat time is your streetcar. Just make them hits. You know, I was so blessed uh, in 1999 when I got my license in the dragster. Wally was running the track back then, and the, the test and tune got rained out. I was going to get my license that day. So, but it wasn't raining that bad. It cleared up. There's a few racers sitting around drinking beer, whatever. One, Lynn Muir, Stevie, and Phelps. And uh, my dad didn't know much about dragsters. And they go, hey, you just sit down. Let, let us show the boy how to do some burn. I did like 10 little burnouts in a row. And they were like, no, you got to use the brake pedal. Stop it with the brakes. Don't let the glue stop the car. And then the tree was already put up. But they had me up there staging with nothing up there and no crowd, no pressure at all, like from fans or other, just a few racers sitting there. And if you can just make seat time available to you through a rental car, borrow somebody's slow car modulate that brake pedal just learn the fundamentals get up there and make a bunch of hits and it this is a game we'll just say it this is a game you got to be a student of the game like my kids favorite song you know uh b double o take double o you got to be a student of the game carry the tree with you the whole bit if uh Take hits on that practice tree. I was watching some guy on YouTube talking about how he hits the tree 
is just like a real race. He'll take one hit and then an hour later come back and take one more. You know, and I never thought of that. And I'd say, ah, simulate a final. Then be like 15 minutes in between. Take one hit only. Don't just sit there and bust at 30. 30. That's the truth, man. That's that's what I personally do. And uh, I started doing that a couple years ago, and I've never hit the tree better than uh, really? than I currently do. Yeah, that's that's what I've done for – when did I t- – George, I told you I started doing that at least two years ago. We, I've been doing it for a while. So have my dad. And, um, but you and I, Casey, we did that all, all winter long where we would, during work time, uh, you know, you'd, you'd hit a light, you'd come back a few hours later trying to simulate what's actually getting ready to happen at, an, at a big I, event. I would say get that slow car and enter as many classes as you can. Just hot lap. You know, here there's a track you can run all three and just do it. Just get in there. It doesn't care about temperature. Just, run against a variety of opponents, see what works, see what doesn't work, and it'll be cheap to start with. You're not going to break stuff, you know, and you're not going to get frustrated and working on stuff on a 103-degree temp. And you'll get tons of data because the thing that people don't realize also is that, first of all, if the car is hot, it's hot. It doesn't matter. Just keep running it hot. Who cares? And slower stuff, you can hot lap that stuff. It isn't going to matter. The way that my car is going to be set up now I could double it and somebody else could double it. One of us could double it in foot brake. The other could double it in top. And it it's not going to matter, you know? Got to do. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that's that's cool, man. Well, we, we can't tell you how much we appreciate you getting on here. It's good to finally connect back no up problem. with you after all these years again. Yeah. But I know, you got, uh, I know you got people to thank before you get off here. We're trying to keep you to an hour. No, that's fine. No, you guys put on a great show. Uh, it's really entertaining. I, I'm going to get some stickers from George at the 50 grander, the TB50 here. Uh, you know, we're going to do some weird stuff here. The gateways really come around, new management, the whole bit. Um, so, you know, got to thank the good Lord for blessing me with some kind of talent here and put me around the right people. And same with you guys. You know, you're around the right people and good things are going to happen. Definitely, man. Well, again, we appreciate you getting on here. Hopefully we can get – George, you better give him like 100 of those stickers because he's going to have a lot of students rolling through yes. there. We yes. need to get some GBR. Yes. Yeah. Not? I got a whole sleeve of them. That's if that's if they don't uh, if they don't get taken from me. So I may have no, to give a shout-out to old Syntex. Because yep. uh, it, it's free seat time without getting in a car. Heard that's that. right, man. So, obviously, you know, we missed him in the beginning there, George, but we got to thank TSR Racing Products. We got to thank Chance Performance Parts, BRG 3D Printed Parts, Syntex Printing out there in Temple, Texas to get those extra GBR stickers. And, of course, we got to thank Driven Racing Oil. You use the code GBR10. Get yourself 10% off your order, whatever you order. get shipped to your house for free, anything above $99. But other than that, George, what do we say here? As always, guys, we will see you next Tuesday. Hey, have a good one.